And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT the Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you as we start a very busy day and seems like a busy week and a couple of weeks here on the flagship of the Raiders. Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM, and on the Raiders mobile app as we're brought to you by PT's Taverns. You still have time to win up to $3,000. Enter the $25,000 True Rewards Point Challenge today. Follow PT's Tavern on Facebook. See everything they're doing over at the Strat, Arizona Charlie's, and their 64 Tavern locations. Had lunch the other day at the SG Bar right by where I am at the top of 215 in Flamingo. Great salads, great foods, great service, great place to watch sports. And PT is an official partner of the Vegas Golden Knights, man, who I think had their worst loss of the season last night. Up 3 nothing on the Penguins. They give up five unanswered. I watched the entire second and third period, and that was a collapse. That was a flat-out collapse by a team not known for collapses. So that's something I wanted to bring up here as we open it up and go light the lamp, have fun, and watch the hockey games over at PTs. After I got off the air yesterday, Mike Mayock was relieved of his services as GM after three years with the Raiders. I have nothing but great things to say about Mike Mayock as a person. I've gotten a chance to know Mike over the three years. He was great to me, fantastic, and that means everything to me. It's my life. It's my show. How people treat me and how I treat other people's is how I want to be defined in life. And if you know me, you know how I treat people. If you don't know me, you're guessing. Everybody who knows me in the building, from the Raiders to Lotus, know how I treat people when I see them face-to-face. And Mike Mayock treated me fantastic. I introduced him at several corporate events, corporate Zooms for the Raiders with season ticket holders. We had him on TV. He was fantastic, and I think he's really sharp. I think he's a good football mind, and the Raiders have decided to move on because they are making adjustments uh, going into this offseason. There's no gossip here. There's nothing to say bad about Mike Mayock. I'll open up the phones to you about why you believe this move happened as clearly the Raiders want to go in a different direction than Mike Mayock, and we all wish him well. I mean, that's what we do here on the radio. We wish people well who are dedicated to their job. Once a Raider, always a Raider. Now other teams are copying it. I'm a Nick fan. I see on the Knicks Facebook page, once a Nick, always a Nick. That's a copy of Al Davis. The teams copy this. They say NASCAR nation, Red Sox nation. There's no such thing as that. It's Raider nation that was first. Once a Patriot, always. Give me a break. It's once a Raider, always a Raider. And that's Mike Mayock. And he should be welcome back here for years to come for his services for the Silver and Black. And it was a tough road at times. You know, he was tied with Coach Gruden. Coach Gruden had the authority over Mike Mayock. I was, I, I was aware of that, so were you. John Gruden had a tremendous control when he was the head coach of the Raiders. And John Gruden made a lot of great decisions when it came to the Raiders. Look at the team this year. With his coaches, a lot of the coaches that came with Coach Gruden, he, he was a part of bringing them here. He was tied with Mike Mayock. He made some decisions. Everybody speculates on who had the power, who made the first-round picks. We're not going to know. We're not going to know unless Mike Mayock tells us down the road on the picks and the ones he liked more than others, the ones that he was 
overruled by John Gruden, which was fair. Mike knew that when he took the job. Mike knew that he was going to work for an alpha in John Gruden. He decided to take the job, leaving television, where he did a fabulous job at NFL Network, and I'm assuming he got a big offer yesterday to come back. I don't know that, but I would assume they'd be smart to hire him again. So I think Mike Mayock is no longer here because of the first-round draft picks that let Mike Mayock down and you, the fans of the Raiders. Now, you could say that they swung high for some picks. That would be fair. Cleland Farrell, John Abram, a look around at some of the picks, Alex Leatherwood. I wouldn't have taken any of those players where they were taken. But I'm not a GM. I don't look at film and break down kids in college. And they thought they had good players there. I thought that Damon Arnett was probably the worst pick of all of them. A character issue that surfaced that should have been found out well before he put on the uniform. And he wasn't very good of a player. Uh, Josh Jacobs, was he a first-round pick? We can debate that forever. You know, Josh Jacobs has had some good games, and he was a great player coming out of Alabama. And then Mike did a great job, a phenomenal job with Max Crosby, Hunter Renfro, and some of those players that were taken. And as I told you all year, I think the, ra- the reason why the Raiders made a run and made it to the playoffs was some of the decisions that Mike Mayock made in free agency and bringing in guys like Casey Hayward and Yannick Ngakwe that I knew that deal was happening before anybody. I told you that deal nine months before it happened, they were getting him. And some of the players that came in, look at this offseason, Solomon Thomas. Look at Quentin Jefferson. Look at Darius Phylon before he got hurt. Look at the players that were brought in. I'm not a fan of Littleton. I think Littleton is a tremendous underachiever. Kwiatkowski didn't turn out to be a good signing. So we can go player by player if you'd like. I mean, I'm not going to do it. He's gone. We can go player by player and see what you think of Mike Mayock's overall job. But he said he'd get the team to the playoffs, and he did. He did. Got the team to the playoffs, and that's part of his legacy here with the Raiders. And if the Raiders want to go in a different direction to have a GM now, this all goes back to the Gruden Gruden resignation and now what they're going to do, the structure of the organization going forward. What Mark Davis decides on his plan for the future which probably would be a heavy-handed GM who's going to have a say in the head coach. If it's Ritz Passaccia, you know, I think the world of Coach Passaccia, I've interviewed him every week, only great things to say about Coach Passaccia. If they bring him back, if they turned out they moved on and the GM was involved in that process, that's what's going to happen. They don't consult me on these deals. But I consult you, and I'd like to know your opinion on Mike Mayock's tenure, what you liked about it. We're not going to make it personal Mike's a good guy, a really good guy. So give him the respect he deserves outside the door. Give him the respect that he deserves for his family, the relocation to Southern Nevada, what he did in the community, how good of a guy he is and respected around the league as a man and as a football guy, and wish him well. That's what I've done with everybody who's been in this organization that I've seen and gotten to know from Reggie McKenzie to other executives along the way, and head coaches. There's a right way to do this, and we do it the right way on this show. We don't gossip. We don't go low. We don't say he did this. We say, hey, it didn't work out at the end. Maybe it did work out. Maybe he should be back. We'll be able to judge that in a year or two. But there's a lot of candidates out there, and I believe that Mark Davis wants to get on top of these candidates quickly and see who could be the best football guy to bring in as they decide to go to the next level. I was listening uh, to Raider Nation Radio this morning, and one of the callers said, well, is this a rebuild? Are they going to tear this down? And I'm like, what are you talking about? 
rebuild or tear it down. They just won 10 games. They want to get better. The goal here isn't to get worse. The goal is to get better. They haven't had a losing season in Vegas. They relocated to a new market, built a state-of-the-art facility to go get free agents, which seems to be working out. They got a great stadium, I think the best experience in football, and they want to continue to win. And hopefully it isn't one step back to go two steps forward. Hopefully that everybody can get on the same page and go from 10 to 12 wins, win a playoff game, be in the fight for a home playoff game down the road. That is the plan. Vinny Bonsignor, our teammate here, wrote a great column today uh, where he said Raiders likely to seek someone experienced with the winning track record. And some of the names out there, Dave Ziegler, the Patriots director of player personnel, Ed Dodds, who I hear great things about, the Colts assistant GM. He also worked under Al Davis in the personnel department from 2003 to 2006. He is a familiar name. Elliot Wolf, the Patriots consultant, son of Hall of Famer Ron Wolf. Adwan Daniels was in-house, the assistant director of player personnel. Another great guy. So there's a lot of names out there. Eagles director of player personnel, Brandon Brown. And we'll see what direction they go in here. But the Raiders are very serious about getting this right. And a lot of it had to do with the unfortunate resignation of John Gruden with the emails. If that doesn't happen, if those emails aren't leaked, and we never defended the content of the emails, but if John Gruden's here and they win 10 games, everything is status quo. Gruden's under contract for a long period of time. Mike Mayock probably is here, I would think, unless Gruden would want to change him out by consulting Mark Davis and changing or going in a different direction. We don't know. But this is all a product of the Gruden resignation and now how there's a transition of power soon to be coming when it comes to the executive football operations, when it comes to player personnel. And it's not the end of the world. Mike Mayock had a nice run here. He should be proud of his accomplishments and his dedication to the team. Again, I like Mike Mayock a lot. And I think he put a plan in place. Not all of it worked out. And we could go back to the draft pick of Ruggs. We didn't know Ruggs would turn out to make the worst decision of his life that killed Tina Tintor. We didn't see that coming. No one did. And he was coming into his own as a pretty good player. And there's been some good contracts along the way. Now, I also think a really big issue going forward with all of this is what's going to happen with the decisions with the players that they have under contract that are expiring in 2022. This, to me, is the elephant in the room. Raiders contracts expiring after this upcoming season. Derek Carr, Josh Jacobs, Hunter Renfro, Max Crosby, Yannick Ngakwe, Trayvon Mullen, Jonathan Abram, Denzel Perryman, Carl Nassib, Cleland Farrell, Foster Moreau, Kenyon Drake, Denzel Good, Nick Kwiatkowski, Corey Littleton. Holy crap. That's a lot of people that have money due to them or are going to be let go. You need someone in the building who can evaluate all those contracts from a football perspective, not finance. They got the guys to do that at the highest level. You got someone, someone's got to come in and look at all those players I just mentioned and say, he's good, he's good, he's out, no way, no way, he's in, possibly. That's what has to happen. So do, do we all understand that? That is a big issue here. Because the core of the players that have decisions have to be made on. You know, Max Crosby, I would assume, is going to get a nice contract. Same thing with Hunter Renfro. You're going down. Derek Carr, all his guaranteed money's been paid. He's in a contract year next year. 
There are players that I like a lot. There are players that I don't think need to be here anymore. Cleland Farrell, Kwiatkowski, Littleton. You move on from those guys. If not, you get them at a good price and you keep them. Big decisions on Jonathan Abram and what you do to give him or walk away. That's the new guy. The new guy coming in is going to be working with the head coach to figure out who stays or who goes. Then the draft, what do you do? I'm cool with trading the draft pick away and go getting a football player who can play. I don't think this organization can risk another first-round draft pick on a 50-50 player who might sink or swim. That's just my opinion. Maybe you believe they should trade up in the draft. Like I screamed. I screamed for a month. Take the draft pick, the Leatherwood draft pick, and trade up for Micah Parsons. I got the guy right. Give me a little bit of credit on that one. I said, that's the guy. And if you can't trade up with the Cowboys, trade up before the Cowboys and get Micah Parsons. Because this franchise hasn't had a linebacker, a young one, for a long time who's a stud in this league. Khalil Mack was more of an edge rusher, but a side-to-side linebacker, and now they need more linebackers again. So whatever they're going to do, the new football man who comes in and takes over will do that. And I'll get right behind him like I get behind everybody is what I like to do. And we'll give him the best of luck and hope when he comes on the show and whatever he does, he does great things. But again, uh, Mike Mayock was a good man. He's a great man. He still is. And he's going to do great things in his life and his career. I think the world of him as a person, in the limited times I've got to meet him, it was always pleasant, pleasant, it was always professional, and the guy was working his ass off to make the Raiders better. So however you want to go with this, uh, taking your calls, some of the candidates, who could be available, what direction they want to go in, that's what we're doing here. Some people love radio like this. I don't. This is not my thing, guys, getting fired and we get a great radio show out of it. I've worked with guys like that who always say they like chaos and they like turnover. You know, I don't believe in sports karma. I believe in karma in life, not in sports. Say the karma, if Aaron Rodgers says this to karma, he'll lose to the – I don't buy into any of that crap. But the people you meet in life who are good people, you always pat them on the back, thank them for the relationship, and wish them well. And that will never change as long as you listen to me, as long as you listen to me on the radio. Uh, Good columns on Ed Graney about the future of Rich Passaccia. Tons of people are calling me up, and I'm declining to go on the air with them about interviews about that. Why would I go on the air? I don't know what's going to happen with Rich Passaccia. I hope he's here. I like Rich Passaccia. He's been great to me. I interviewed him all year long. You have a great relationship, I think, on the air and off the air. And I wish him the best in this process here as he's interviewing for this opportunity. I have nothing to add on that, nor would I. Why would I? I'm not going to put out this out there. I like Rich Passaccia. And this, if there are certain people I think have no shot and shouldn't be back, I tell you. I thought Mike Mayock had a shot to come back. He said that he predicted the playoffs. He's out. Rich Passaccia got the team to the playoffs as a coach. Pretty easy for me to defend both those guys for what they did. But ultimately for me on the radio, the owner and the decision when Al Davis was the owner, now Mark Davis, and the direction that they want to go in. And I believe that Mark's passionate about winning. I know that to be true. God, I know that as good as anybody ever on the radio, in the history of Raiders radio, because I know Mark personally. I know how much he is desperate to win and make this a Super Bowl-caliber product. And sometimes it works. Decisions work. Others don't. But Mark Davis isn't being mocked around the league the way some fans mocked him around the league two or three years ago. After this creative move to Vegas, the stadium, the revenue, where the Raiders stand with the Super Bowl, the draft, all the moves that are happening now, 
and how the revenue has exploded within this organization and their respect around the league. Some people, you know, owners respect them more than others. But that is all open to debate and what you think about that. So your phone calls, as long as you show respect on every angle with these phone calls, you can be as critical as you want. You can hire your, your brother if you want your brother to be the GM. You can do whatever you want here. But we're trying to do a show today about uh, candidates for the GM position and then potentially what's going to happen with the head coach decision coming up. Ian Rappaport on NFL Network, who knows Mike Mayock very well, reported on the uh, movement of Mike Mayock after three years. A major change for the Las Vegas Raiders. They have just a couple minutes ago informed general manager Mike Mayock that he is no longer working for the team. Mayock was fired after three years uh, running the personnel department for the Las Vegas Raiders. And sure, there was some success leading them to the playoffs. But of course, there were misses as well. There was the Cleveland Farrell first round draft pick. His first clearly did not work out. Of course, Henry Ruggs, another first rounder, had... A serious legal issue uh, going on earlier in the year and was eventually released. Damon Arnett also released. Alex Leatherwood drafted him as a tackle, now as a guard. There were free agent misses as well. The Trent Brown signing clearly did not work out for the Raiders. Antonio Brown trade as well. So Mike Mayock, uh, after three years as the Las Vegas Raiders general manager, now officially out. The team uh, just a couple seconds ago released a short statement saying that in fact Mayock has been relieved of his duties and thanking Mike for his contributions over the last three years in helping form the foundation for the franchise to build upon in the future. Ian Rappaport, and yes, there is a foundation for the franchise to get better with. Thanks to Mike Mayox and, and the, the moves that worked out properly, that worked out well. In regards to the first-round draft picks that were, were bad picks, that's really how a, a GM is defined, by your first-round picks. It's shocking to me, uh, depending on who had the authority and who made the final decision, that so many of these picks didn't work out. You can't have that many first-round picks flame out. You just can't. You have to have at least one superstar that comes out of it or multiple great players and pro bowlers. Now, Mike had great picks. with with uh, Come on, Max Crosby is a great player. I think he's going to be a pro bowler. And I think Hunter Renfro is going to be a pro bowler. And I think the strength of Mike Mayock, obviously, is in those middle rounds as he dives into the depth of the draft and knows all these college kids and his scouting talents. But there's been two – where would the Raiders be? Where would the Raiders be if they hit on the majority of these first-round picks? Think of that for a second. Now, I think that the the due diligence that went into those picks were very sound. I don't think anybody would debate that. Mike Mayock and John Gruden, when they ever made a pick, whoever had the authority, and that's what everybody's speculating on, who's tied to each one of those names that Ian Rappaport just said, they did their due diligence. They looked at the tape. They talked to the coaches. They interviewed the players. They did everything. They were high-round picks from really good schools. Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama. So when they turned the card in and they gave the pick, they felt good about the picks. And now you could judge the player for the player's behavior like Ruggs and Arnett. You could look at a player like Cleland Farrell and just said they, he looked great on tape. He was a captain, a defensive captain for a national championship team, a great player, not a good player, great player. And they reached too high on him. The Leatherwood pick, Outland Trophy winner. I still think there's upside to Leatherwood. He's big. He's, he plays. He's durable. 
The guy wasn't sitting in the tub the whole year. The guy showed up to every practice, practice hard. I hope that Leatherwood plays better, but he was a swing and foul ball. I wouldn't say swing and miss, but he wasn't a home run. If all of these picks, or four out of five, or five out of seven of these first-round picks turned out to be really good players knocking on the door of the Pro Bowl, I think the Raiders are a Super Bowl contender. How could they not be? They had a lot of picks on the move out of Amari Cooper, and especially Khalil Mack, and they didn't capitalize on it. Not because of lack of effort. It just didn't happen. And they did their best to get the get best guys in here. And that's how your job, that's, that's what you do. That's how I'm evaluated with my job. You're evaluated with your job. How'd you do when the spotlight was on you? How'd you do when you were supposed to do well? How'd you do when the pressure was on? And I think some of these picks, I would be safe to say, the first round picks, unfortunately, are the reason why Mike Mayock isn't here. And I don't know if all those picks were his and he had the final choice on that. We're never going to know until Mike Mayock tells the world what every pick was about and what his analysis is. And maybe he will down the road. Maybe he'll choose not to on that part because he wants to get a job somewhere else and he doesn't want to release information from within an organization because he wants to work for another organization. I talked to Brad Spielberger today before the show. He's from Pro Football Focus. He's a guy who looks at salary caps, analysis, grades, GMs, trades, and all of that. And here's what he told me on Mike Mayock's firing. The big thing for Mike Mayock is you have to wonder, you know, by all accounts, we were told that John Gruden had the final say, had 51%, they said, of the 100% in the decision-making. And so it is tough. But at the end of the day, when you're missing on that many first-round picks, you know, you trade Khalil Mack away and have five first-round picks in, in two years, trade Amari Cooper and Khalil Mack, and, and really hit on none of those players. I mean, maybe Josh Jacobs, but not a super important or premium position. Um, it, it's hard to come back from that. So, you know, the, the playoff push was admirable. He has had some later-round hits, of course, like Max Crosby. This past free agency with Yannick Ngakwe and Casey Hayward, some strong signings. But overall, I, I do think it's fair, and I was not particularly surprised by him, him being let go. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people were surprised by that, but you know, I've talked to a lot of people on this. Mark Davis has got massive decisions coming. We all know that. Massive decisions coming up from every position, the quarterback, the head coach, the GM, whatever he's going to do. And it's a 10-win team. So for those who said bring everybody back one more year, I understand that. For those who think it's an opportunity to go out and get better people, I guess I understand that. That's all about running a business and doing your due diligence. All big businesses do it that way. Brad Spielberger also commented on the philosophy going forward about hiring or retaining a head coach with a new GM. You know, I am a firm believer in, in, in getting the GM first. Uh, I know mm-hmm. it's not, you know, the, the case everywhere, and there are some buildings where the coach wants more power. Sounds like that was an issue in Miami, and, and as good of a head coach as Brian Flores is, you know, he wanted more power, more control over the roster like his like Bill Belichick, his mentor, has, and, and I'm just not a big believer in that. I think it is putting too much on one person's plate for them to be coaching guys up in charge of player development and also having a, a lot of say in personnel and bringing people aboard. So uh, if I was an owner, I would hire a strong, quality general manager, work with them to find a head coach. And, and look, the head coach can have a lot of say, can help with scouting and all those things and, and suggest players to go after and free agency and all that. But end of the day, I want the GM making the final decision on those, you know, on those decisions. Brad Spielberger joins us. So let's go to Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence. And 
lot of people believe the obvious pick is Byron Leftwich, but the Bears have interviewed him. And if you look at this process now, is it a race to get him clearly working with Brady and they're in the playoffs and he can't make a decision here? But what do you think about Leftwich compared to Biennemi? Let's talk about those two names who are working with great coaches who have a lot of say with quarterbacks and play calling. All right, so that wasn't edited right, but we'll uh, we'll just tell you that I had a conversation that's going to air tonight on Sirius XM, and we went on a deep dive with some of the other candidates who are available. So that's where we're at, and I believe with what he said in the initial part of that soundbite is a strong GM, a strong GM is brought into an organization to make all the football decisions, the head coach, the scouting department, where they go. So. Mark Davis is in that process now with who he's consulting with to find the best GM. And then I think things will line up after that. So if you have anything you want to add to that, uh, let us know. 702-365-9200. And I hope that we we get some really good commentary about Mike Mayock and what he did for the Raiders. Uh, That would be my hope because I think Mike deserves that as he came on the flagship station a number of times with me. His interviews were always great. He always was very honest with us going forward. All right, so that's what we start off. Nash in Houston on the Raiders' flagship app. How are you? Hey, JT. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, uh, thanks. uh, I I think, you know, again, I I think uh, Mike's been a quality guy for us, and and sometimes that may be what got him a little bit in trouble. I mean, he owned the Damon Arnett thing, which, uh, you know, again, uh, so he took it on the chin on that one, and that's certainly a, a, a big issue. And then also some of the third-round picks like uh, Bowden and uh, Taylor Muse didn't work out, and you got to get quality players from that. But I think on the plus side, again, you talk about some of these guys he got later, certainly Mike plays a part in that, and then a lot of the co- the uh, scouts that he brought with him or hired after he got here are the guys that found that. And I think uh, I'd love to get your take on who's in uh, Mark Davis's inner circle with a lot of these yeah, I, I'm in. You know, I, I know who's in Mark Davis's inner circle. It's, it's everyone from Ron Wolf to George Atkinson to Marcel Reese, there's a, to Fred Bolitnikoff to Tom Flores to legends. There isn't some secret guy. You know, a lot of people are asking that, like who's in his inner circle. That's his inner circle. John Gruden was his inner circle. He hired John Gruden, my friend, to do all of this. Then John Gruden had to resign because of what happened with the Washington football team. Gruden was the ultimate circle. He was in charge of all the football. The draft, the team, the plays, the offense, everything. Gruden's gone. So who's in Mark Davis's inner circle? The same people that were in his inner circle 10 years ago, but unfortunately passed away, like Cliff Branch, who was his best friend. So a lot of people ask that question. Mark's known people in this football world his entire life. He consults with other people that I'm not aware of, other teams, other owners, other former GMs. So I can't tell you exactly who's who's the person he's leaning on exclusively with this decision. I can't answer that. You know, and then it's interesting just what the comments you made. I mean, that's exactly what the danger, uh, Brad uh, Spielberger, was just talking about, having a guy that had the kind of power Gruden did. And I just hope with those guys you just talked about, that he keeps uh, Basachi around. I mean, uh, I, I think if he leaves, I think it's going to be harder. You know, if I'm a Max Crosby, some of these other guys, maybe I wait and see a year uh, to, if I want to stick around, where I think that's mm. going to help the continuity. Because, again, we are talking about a playoff team, 
And I think that's, you know, I want to see some big changes on offense because, again, mm. the stuff you talked about all year, that killed them in the playoff game. They're running plays with one second left on the clock. Uh, but let me, stop if, let me stop you for a second. This is a really important topic, and I, I wanted to get into this today. You're acting, the organization, the organization in the history is more important than any individual player. So if a player doesn't want to be here afterwards because he doesn't like the new GM or the coach, that player's gone. It's not about the player. You'd like to keep all the players. I hope that whatever happens, Max Crosby, Hunter Renfro, Derek Carr, whoever is on board loves the decision. If they don't like the decision, they don't own the team. It's not about them. It's not about the player. The Raiders want to keep the core of the great players together. Some are going to leave like Khalil Mack because they can't afford them. Some are going to come in at a cheaper price. Some are going to stay for a discount. Some will be franchise tag. But if the player doesn't like it, too bad. I mean, the player, if the player has leverage to leave and say, I want out of here. But the organization, which is worth billions of dollars, is not scared of a player saying, well, I'm not completely in, in love with this decision. It doesn't work that way in professional sports. You know that. Yeah, but, but no, and I don't, I don't disagree with that. But then all of a sudden, then, then you are talking about a major rebuild. Because, because again... Uh, Deshaun mm. Watson doesn't want to be in 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 Houston because sure. they're going to be garbage for three four years. Mm. So and he's got the cloud to sit out and whatever. And, and it's the same thing with a guy like Mac. Yeah. So you want to But I I would just tell play. you that the Raiders, as you know, the Raiders now in Vegas, two uh, yeah. one season five hundred and a winning season. They don't want to rebuild. They want to get right. better. They're trying to make good solid decisions going forward. What I'll agree with you is that these decisions will be very controversial if they don't work out well. But Mark yep. Davis isn't going to buckle to the pressure of a player possibly not ma- liking his decision. And I appreciate your call for the long-term structure of the organization. That's why you hire a good GM. That's why you move a team to Vegas and, and have an opportunity to get better deals with players with no state taxes and a better facility than Alameda and all that. These are really big decisions. All I can tell you is the one thing I know for sure is that the organization and the team doesn't want to take a step back from 10 wins. I can't predict wins. I predicted nine wins this year. They won 10. They got in the playoffs. I'm not predicting with right now how many games they're going to win next year. I don't know who's coming back. But the goal is to be better than they were last year. And that's why they got to make some really tough decisions coming up there. And as I'm always transparent and honest with you, even though people who listened to me for 23 years – would like to see me get fired for backing the fired GM or backing the fired crazy player or this or that. It doesn't work that way. You follow the organization, you watch what they do, and then you debate it like we're doing now. Ten wins. How'd they get there? What'd they do? They won their last four games. Who do they keep? Who do they get rid of? This is very complex. And I, I told my wife this and other people. This is one of the most complex scenarios in football because they won 10 games. If they won five games, everybody would be looking to blow it up, change it, change it, change it. It would be very easy for me to do this show. But I'm invested with the people who have these jobs here, and the owner, and some of the players. And you, you all of you fans I'm invested in, if you're the biggest supporter of me or not. I want this thing to work out great. The goal is not to torpedo what's doing well. The, the goal is to get better. And when Gruden took over... I was very privy to what was happening, really behind the scenes because of my relationship with Coach Gruden. 
And the principles that he put in place was to try to have a team that would be able to compete against Kansas City. Okay, follow me here. That was the plan. You got to match up with Kansas City. They got Tyreek Hill, you get Ruggs. They get Kelsey, you get Waller. They have, the, they have Tyron Matthews, you go get John Abram. Right? It was, it, the philosophy was rock solid to build an organization that way. In the division, with some of the principles of the Patriots, with character, Clemson guys, Clemson guys, Clemson guys. The plan was right. The plan didn't work with Kansas City. They just got smoked twice by Kansas City. And I'm talking smoked. So even though they won 10 games, they got to put a new plan in place. And that plan will be the new GM hired by the owner. And the philosophy of the GM to build the football organization to the point where they can win more games. It's very basic, but it's very complicated. And that's why I like to debate these issues with you and talk about them. Good phone call. Appreciate you starting us off. Never like to see anybody ever lose their job, especially good people. And it happens a lot in sports. Good people who are worthy to keep their job don't keep it. Happens all the time. It happens in radio. It happens in TV. It happens all the time. But you always wish people the best as they move on. We're brought to you by BillsHappen.com. BillsHappen.com. You need fast cash? BillsHappen.com. I guess I learned that um, I could do the job. You know, I learned that I could have conversations with other coaches uh, to figure out how to possibly win a game or, and still uh, keep the same role that I had where you can uh, build relationship with players and still do the job that I started off with. I can see now how offense coordinators can get a head job and still call plays and defense coordinators get a head job and still call plays. So uh, I kind of learned that uh, about myself as well. I thought Rich Passaccia did a fantastic job in the situation he was put in. JT, back with you as we continue on Raider Nation Radio. Jeff Sherman will join us here in a little bit. The Rams dominated the Cardinals last night. Absolutely slaughtered them, 34-11. to uh, The Cardinals imploded down the stretch at the end of the year here, which was really important. They started off 10-2 and and finished 1-5. and Remember last year, everybody was freaking out on the Raiders' finish as they finished up 8-8 eight and eight and didn't make the playoffs. Look at the slide that Arizona had. And I'm a big Kyler Murray fan, really big Kyler Murray fan, but that, that stage was just too big for him. And Matthew Stafford won his first ever playoff game. Odell Beckham Jr. was fantastic in that game. Talk about a new change of scenery to get him going. So we'll take a look all week at these divisional playoff games. So one thing I tweeted out, and please follow on Twitter at JT the Brick. The big thing is if Aaron Rodgers cannot, if he can't beat Jimmy Garoppolo, he's toast. The Green Bay thing's over. So you can look at it two ways, depending on where you want Aaron Rodgers to end up. If Aaron Rodgers cannot beat Jimmy Garoppolo at home, coming off a bye week, it's over. He doesn't want to come back. They won't want him back. I mean, they might want him back, but they're not going to go out of their way because he's been a problem to deal with with the media, correct? Aaron Rodgers all this year is a pain in the ass. Not that he wouldn't be a, he wouldn't be a pain in the ass in a new city because so many new cities want him to come play. So for all the fans listening who have different teams, remember I said this. If Garoppolo beats Aaron Rodgers, his legacy 
in Green Bay. One Super Bowl after potentially four MVPs, he's got three. That's a disappointment. And I really say that. If you win a championship, Alex Rodriguez, even with the steroid issues, was one of the greatest players of all time. He won one ring. You only need one. You only got to win one. You don't have to win six. Everybody thought Michael Jordan won six six out of six. You just need one to be a champion. Aaron Rodgers only won, and he loses to Jimmy Garoppolo in, in the playoffs in Santa Clara and loses at home. He is going to jet out of Green Bay because they're not going to bring him back. That thing's over. Big storyline. I don't think the Niners can win that game. I don't. I don't think they have the players to match up, and I don't think they can play in that weather against Aaron Rodgers, but Jimmy Garoppolo and the Niners do pretty well against Aaron Rodgers, and Rodgers doesn't play the Niners well in the postseason. That is a really important story to follow up. We'll talk to Jeff Sherman coming up next about the moving lines as the lines are set. Reggie, you're up next in North Las Vegas. How are you, Reggie? What's going on, JT? Hey, you said it all, man. I I, I got much respect for Mayock. I, I, I really like them bringing him in. The only difference is, is the things we saw happen with the different draft picks. So when I look at that and I think what they had picked Mayock up without Gruden, and that I don't, I'm not sure of. But I understand the situation he's tied in with all the stuff that's happened and, and just moving on to a new uh, GM. But I wish Mayock the best of luck. I loved hearing him on as an analyst and being yeah. on, on TV. He's great. He, he knows how to break players down, and I think they had a good scouting crew. I just mm-hmm. don't know how many of them was really new, you know, like bringing a couple of guys in, because they did have that knack to pick somebody that's going to be a project for the first pick, you know what I'm saying? So – I I wish him the best of luck. I hope the next guy that comes in has an idea who and what he's going to do with the coach right away, not mm. not just linger. And then the other thing is this. Uh, how about bringing people in that's going to support the GM? One of my guys, I don't know if he would be picked up as our GM, but I love Lewis Riddick. I've, mm. I've been looking at him for a long time before he got really big on TV, him coming out of uh, being in – the GM position that he was in. But what you think about that, JT? I love yeah. hearing your show, brother. And I, I like I like Lewis show. Riddick. Thank you. I like Lewis Riddick, too. I don't know if they'd go with another TV guy, TV guy after just doing Mike Mayock. Uh, but once a Raider, always a Raider, tied to ownership in the alumni. And I think he's capable. His name has been out there for a while. I'd like to see because Lewis Riddick hasn't been really in any GM searches that I have seen so far and Vinny Bonsignor didn't even put him I don't believe as I'm looking again in his column on about the nine or ten names that he had there so I don't think they're going in that direction but I think he is a worthy candidate and a really sharp football mind coming up next Jeff Sherman will join us the lines are moving in the divisional round Packers Niners Bucks Rams Titans Bengals I love the Raiders at the Titans. I love that game. That's what pisses me off so much about the loss to the Bengals. I love the Raiders playing in Nashville. God, I wish that was going down.
Chase Edmonds is the back next to Kyler. Takes the snap, sets the laces, bounces in the pocket, hit from behind, flips it forward. It is intercepted! Intercepted! A pick six! David Long Jr. plucks it at the one. He's got an interception return for a touchdown. What a game last night. The Rams' defense was flying around. Stafford was making plays. JT, back with you. Jeff Sherman joins us, the VP of Risk Analyst over at the Westgate, the Superbook. And, Jeff, let's begin your results in the handle Super Wild Card Weekend with so many favorites winning easily other than the Niners in Dallas. Talk about the handle, liability, and what happened there. Yeah, terrific handle, especially the way that they spaced the games out, having the 2-3-1, the Monday night game for the first time. Uh, you know, the, it was not a good result for the books. The public did really well with the favorites going 5-1. and one. And the dog that won with the 49ers, we had a lot of split action. The 49ers were a popular underdog. Yeah, the Niners were really interesting in how that game played out along the way. Can you walk me through the tempo of that game and what happened there? And what was it like in the book when Dallas was racing and Dak was running 14 yards for that final player, hoping to get one more throw in? Yeah, it was nuts. That's where we saw the most energy in the book for the day. And, uh, a lot of confusion with everyone, just like uh, there was in the game itself. Uh, Jeff, can you tell me down the road how the industry is going to deal with in-game gambling on a play like that, or what's going to happen when the game is going that fast, the delay, the non-delay from radio to television into a sports book? What, what is your overall theory on that going forward? Well, you know, we do our, our in-game manually during the stoppages of play. So as a play mm-hmm. is developing, uh, you're not going to have an opportunity to bet a lot. We have... Um, an algorithm that does in play while the game's going on, but usually at a stage like that of the game, mm-hmm. it's not active. So usually with a couple minutes left in the game, you know, you might get a couple markets available, but uh, most of it is through the first three quarters. Uh, you know, we're going to be evolving to where you can bet play by play and things are happening on plays and such. So we're continuing to, to look for ways to get people involved during the game. Yeah, that's interesting, the evolution of that going forward. So uh, I want to talk about the Raiders-Cincinnati game and that inadvertent whistle and what you thought about that in real time. I could hear it on the broadcast, Brent Musburger up top doing the play-by-play. You could hear the whistle clearly, even in on TV in a casino, you could hear it. And a lot of people were frustrated on that call, thought it had an effect on the outcome, at least the Raiders tying it or needing a field goal instead of a touchdown late. Yeah, the problem with that was you could see the players stop, so they obviously heard it, and that led to the easy touchdown. So there should have been something that had happened out of that and not let it go. And even after the game, the referees said that they thought the whistle came after the catch was complete, which is a fallacy in itself. So it did have an effect on it, but you know you can't just point to that one thing. There's so many other things. Mm-hmm. A lot of the things that we were looking at was even the Raiders went to four opportunities, spiking the ball on first down, they wasted a play. And then the fourth down pass, being short of the end zone, didn't give them the opportunity to actually score. So there were a lot of mechanics behind it. Did you have a lot of money line action on the Patriots to win outright in Buffalo? Buffalo slaughtered them. What stood out at you with that game? Yeah, we did. We saw a lot of New England support like we have all year. Mm -hmm. Uh, The point spread went up. We closed uh, Buffalo 5. Got a lot of uh, sharp money on Buffalo. But there was a lot of public money on New England outright because there were still people banking on New England possibly playing Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl just for that storyline. So we saw a lot of support that way. 
All right, let's go to the divisional playoffs and start off with Cincinnati, Tennessee. Uh, you have it currently at three and a half. Tennessee, the favorite there, three in the hook. Total 47 and a half on that game. Tennessee, people wondering about the return of Derrick Henry at running back. Yeah, there's a lot of anticipation with that. We opened the Titans a two and a half point favorite. Uh, at three minus 120, we took 50,000 on a sharp play, and that's driven it up to three and a half. So you see the whole market above three right now on that because of sharp money. All right, let's move to San Francisco, Green Bay, the game everybody wants to talk about. The line opened up minus four and a half. I see you have it at six. Talk about the line movement there, the sharp money coming in on Green Bay. Where's the support there? Because San Francisco's got tremendous momentum. I see you have the total at 47 and a half. Yeah, we actually opened this five and a half, and the market was a little bit less. So we saw an mm-hmm. initial, uh, initial pattern of San Francisco money show up just because of the difference to market. But we moved it up to six on air. There's talk about Garoppolo being a bit injured and the possibility that he might not go. So we're kind of leaning up towards Green Bay in case that were to come to fruition. But even if he does play, it sounds like he's not going to be 100%. Uh, Is Green Bay still your favorite to win the Super Bowl overall? Where are the future odds on Green Bay to win it all coming into this game? Yeah, we have them at 13-4, which is plus 325 as the favorite. With Kansas City 4-1, Buffalo and Tampa at 5, the Rams and Titans at 8. Then the Niners at 12 and the Bengals rounding it off at 22. Jeff Sherman, VP of Risk Analysis over at the Westgate, the Superbook. All right, let's go to the Rams in Tampa Bay, Jeff. This is really what I wanted to talk to you about, about the Rams playing late into last night. It was a much easier game than expected. Guys got banged up. Now they have a short week and they got to travel. This is big travel from L.A. to Tampa Bay. A time change as Brady had a day off earlier. They played a day earlier. And where you have it here at three, three for being at home, this looks like a pretty uh, stable game, easy game. Initially, a lot of fans love Tampa Bay and Tom Brady and love betting the favorite here. Where do you stand on this and what handle do you expect? Yeah, we opened at two and a half last night and took some sharp money minus two and a half. Got to three flat and then we took 50,000 plus three, so we're at plus three minus 20 on the Rams. And we're going to see tremendous handle on this game. And you're not going to see too much movement. It's probably going to be a lot of price on three movement on this game. But you have two teams that are both really banged up. So it's going to be interesting to see this one. All right. And then Buffalo, Kansas City, Jeff. The only thing I wish, if this was the AFC championship game, I guess all due respect to Cincy and Tennessee, I'm not giving it to them because I, I wanted to see the rematch. I picked Buffalo to win the Super Bowl when you came in before the start of the season. That was my pick. And Kansas City now a slight two-point favorite Total on this game, I see you have 54.5, a high one. Yeah, and the only reason Kansas City is short of three in this because we've seen Buffalo go to Kansas City this season and handle them pretty easily. So we're expecting Buffalo money to show up in this game. And right now this game is actually the least handle of the four. But that's not going to be the case when we get to the late game on Sunday. It's going to be the, the largest bet game with these two teams. And the winner of this game, no matter who they play, Cincinnati or Tennessee, even Tennessee next week with the one seed having home home field advantage, one of these two teams, Buffalo or Kansas City, would be favored at Tennessee. So how does the weather come into play at Kansas City and at Green Bay? What are you sensing? Uh, nothing too bad right now. A lot of cold, but nothing that's going to affect it. You know, the one thing that affects the totals the most is the wind, and we don't see too much from that perspective. Even if it's rain or snow, we don't make too many adjustments, but we have to monitor the wind really closely. It's incredible to see what's happening in this league right now with the 
with all the money in the handle, we've heard about New York, what you've done here in Vegas, what the Superbook is famous for. I want to move on to the odds to win the NBA championship here and where you stand with Brooklyn. And as more and more fans are fading the Lakers here and how you've moved the Laker number since we've talked about this over the last two and a half weeks, maybe to a month. Yeah, actually today I bumped Brooklyn up to 4-1 to one behind Golden State at 3-1 to one because of the Durant injury situation where he's going to be out probably four to six weeks. So we have a new favorite with Golden State, then Brooklyn. Then we have the Bucks at 7, Suns at 8. The Lakers are holding steady at 25, and I know that's top market. We still see some support show up for them, but uh, they had a nice win yesterday, which they came off an embarrassing loss at Denver. So they rebounded nicely last night. But outside of their game tomorrow against Indiana, they go on an East Coast road trip, which is going to pose some problems for them. So I I could see the odds going up more if uh, they struggle on that road trip. And, Jeff, finally, just the hockey, as I go to Stanley Cup odds here, Avalanche, Lightning, Knights, Leaf, and it seems like the Panthers and everyone else there. Uh, Is that what you're seeing? Is is there anybody outside those top four or five teams that a lot of sharp sharp money's kind of taking a look at here as a long-term play? Well, we just saw some sharp money on the Maple Leafs today at ten to one. They're now eight to one, but okay. the Avalanche are a pretty solid favorite at nine to two, and they haven't lost at home in forever. And their power rating keeps increasing. So right now, Colorado's a definite number one. Uh, the Knights are sitting at six to one. We bumped them up from five to one with the struggle on their homestand. But then you have Tampa, Toronto, and Florida at eight to one. Carolina at twelve. Then it gets dicey from there. But those top teams are all commanding the most uh, interest. Thanks, Jeff. We'll talk to you before the conference championships. Big week, huge week next week. Thanks for all your insight. Appreciate you, buddy. All right. Thanks, JT. There he is, Jeff Sherman over at the Westgate. Depending on where you are, if you're in Vegas or around the country, that's the sharpest line. That's one of the sharpest guys. That's who I put on the radio. We put the best of the best on because they know the line movements, where the money's coming, and I want to make sure everybody who's gambling on sports gets the most accurate information. I have their line right in front of me every show, every day, to see if there is any line movement. If they're going to make it, they're going to make it at the Westgate, and that's the line you want to keep an eye on. 702-365-9200. That hour flew by. We'll reset here at the top of the hour. I'm pretty wide open. Uh, We left the next hour clean, as we like to say, because we want to dirty it up with your phone calls. I want to hear your opinion on Mike Mayock being relieved of his Status as the GM. Hopefully you thank Mike for the passion he put into the silver and black and the team making the playoffs here on the flagship.